Greetings and welcome to the Take One Security Podcast. My name is Daniel Meisler and this podcast is simply me reading a high number of information security news headlines in one take. Sometimes I will comment on them, usually I will not. There will be no preparation, no editing, very little post-production. The goal is to simply give people a way to audibly consume InfoSec headlines in 5 to 15 minutes. Today is January 19th, 2015, and let's get started. So UK police arrest an 18-year-old in connection with the PlayStation and Xbox attacks. Um, major Asus router bug. So uh, local users could take full control of the routers uh, from the inside, basically, if you're on network. Uh, there's actually not a security bypass. There just isn't any. And uh, seems to me like the biggest issue would be changing the DNS server and then spoofing sites that are sensitive. That would be the first thing I would think of. Uh, legislation attacks on InfoSec profession and encryption. This is a pretty big deal um, in light of, I guess, the Paris attacks and a number of other things, the Sony breach, things like that. There's a quite a bit of focus right now on the government basically coming up with new legislation for stopping hacking. And uh, a few of the laws are a little bit disturbing. So one of the things is uh, being proposed by Obama as he's talking about uh, more ambitious or more extreme uh, sentences for hackers, which I guess makes sense if it's, you know, very obvious. I guess they're talking about taking the minimum from five years or the maximum from five five years to like 10 years. Uh, Problem is the language is really ambiguous, right? You have some language in there where he's defining hacking as um, accessing a computer in a way other than intended by the owner or desired by the owner, something according to the owner of the network. Um, And someone was quick to point out that, well, that would include violating acceptable use policy on a corporate network, right? So you go to Facebook when you're not supposed to, 10 years in prison, right? So it it seems like you have to be very careful with that language. Uh, The other thing is about the encryption stuff. So David Cameron came out and said he wants to outlaw Snapchat and WhatsApp and all these direct encryption uh, kinds of applications. And then there was an article in the New York Post, I think that, um, or no, the Washington Post, that basically said that... um, Obama agreed with that. Uh, But if you go and read the link, he actually, what he was saying was that if uh, there's a known terrorist plot and there's a phone that the person is using, then that encryption, if it's encrypted, should not be a limit or a barrier to getting more information. You should be able to get a court order and break the encryption or whatever. So I don't know if that means Obama says there shouldn't be encryption on the phone anyway, and that's why he wants to get rid of it, or if he's saying that you should be able to try and get into the phone with a court order. But those details are what actually matters for the position, right? I I don't think getting a court order to get more information is a bad thing. I think asking that encryption should not be used anywhere by regular people is a bad thing. 
and those are two very different positions. If Cameron has the first position of no encryption anywhere, and our government is saying, yeah, absolutely have encryption, but we should be able to ask for the key, or we should be able to ask for the password, um, and you should be allowed to, forced to give that in a court order, um, if you get a court order or something like that, I don't think that would nearly be as bad. Uh, it's still up for debate and could be an issue, but not nearly as bad as saying encryption sometimes helps bad people, therefore it should be outlawed universally. That's very Britishy, um, if that's a word. I, I don't think it's a good thing, and I, I hope we don't go down that route uh, in the United States. Um, the other thing that's sort of being talked about there is being having it be illegal to see hacked data or deal in hacked data. So passwordless, um, I've got a sec list project, which actually captures a whole bunch of known passwords and usernames and common hacks and stuff like that. It's a um, project on GitHub. That would become illegal if we were suddenly unable to sort of traffic in passwords. Um, Again, there's a major difference between having a breach of some company, going and getting the actual usernames and passwords, and then spreading them out with the purpose of having more people get hacked, especially those people. Um, that, that seems obviously bad, but if you're collecting password lists um, so that people can avoid using those or using them for some other information security reason, or looking at um, compromises that take, took place and you have data dumps on pastebin and you're going through them and you're looking for evidence of how they got in or something like that, that seems okay. And I don't know who else is going to defend us if not information security people. I mean, the government, be nice if the government did it, but they can't go and hire and train, you know, millions of new InfoSec professionals to do that, um, you know, leaving the citizens to sort of not do that. It's just not an option. So I think that's all I'll say about that. So next story, French report, French are reporting 19,000 DOS attacks since the Paris shootings. Um, mostly it seems like a lot of them are against um, magazines and stuff like that. So it looks like pro-Islamist type folks who are sort of attacking the, uh, the Charlie Hebdo stuff. Um, Anonymous is now going after ISIS and other uh, jihadist types. Basically, an attack on free speech seems to be an attack on Anonymous. I, for one, think it's cool to be on the same side as Anonymous in this case. 100% um, agree with what they're saying. It's very sort of EFF type message and uh, happy to be fighting on the same side there. Uh, Google releases another Windows flaw that Windows, uh, Microsoft did not fix. So when uh, Microsoft is sort of getting increasingly upset with Google as a result of these, um, this being the third one. There was a vulnerability in a Verizon API that exposed customer email addresses. Uh, basically, it was a mobile API used by an Android device, and a security researcher took a look at it and found out they could... Um, he could retrieve people's emails from it and also send send email as that person through the API. So 
slightly less than optimal there. Um, so one other thing I want to comment about was uh, I wrote a post back in uh, middle of December, I think, about whether or not we should trust the FBI regarding the Sony attack. And my point was you shouldn't necessarily fully trust the FBI. Obviously, that would be not good. Um, but when the FBI comes out or Obama comes out and says, yeah, North Korea definitely did this. We have lots of evidence. By the way, here's a little bit of evidence. Um, I tend to probably believe them. Okay. And I, I highlight a lot of that in the post, which will be in the episode notes on the site. But the bottom line is that you, when you don't have any information and the NSA and the CIA and the FBI have been digging into this for years or months, um, and they have full staffs dedicated to that, and they are in the business of having this information. I feel like there were too many people in the InfoSec community who went a little bit too far. It's not like they were wrong for even questioning, because you should always question, but I think that they went too far in saying, yeah, I looked at the evidence. I mean, this is basically what I heard a lot of. I looked at the evidence, and I don't know, I just didn't see it. Um, I, I think they they overstepped their bounds and they didn't really have the evidence they thought. Um, and so therefore, I don't think North Korea did it. And that is just not a smart position to have when you have basically no information. Um, now, it is true that the government sort of gave an opening for that by giving very small nuggets of information that were kind of bad, right? What they should have said is we have a crap ton of evidence it's extremely solid otherwise we wouldn't be saying this um, and we can't really tell you much about it and we're sorry we hope to release more details later that was the correct position to release like the whole router thing um, and oh I saw an IP address that somebody in North Korea might have used one time that that was weak sauce, and it was jumped on as weak sauce. And I think that's where the confusion was. Um, and kind of an update, I just looked uh, at the news prior to doing this. Um, so the New York Times just released an article saying that the NSA had been in North Korean computers since 2010. So they already hacked in. They've been watching them or retrieving data, whatever they were doing. So they had direct evidence that North Korea did it. And that's why Obama came out and said, yeah, they did it, which is exactly my whole point from the middle of December, is they probably knew something that we did not. And that's a pretty safe assumption when you're talking about the whole of U.S. intelligence versus you and what you thought about a bullet item that they released, right? It's just, it's a matter of not making assertions when you don't have great information. And it doesn't mean that the FBI's right. It still doesn't mean they're right, even after the New York Times article. It doesn't mean they were right. It doesn't mean they'll be right in the future, even if they're right this time. And we should still question. It's just, you know, we shouldn't automatically assume they're wrong because we have a hunch. Um, all right, next one. Free speech and the Paris attacks. This is more of a commentary uh, on a headline. So where's the line for free speech? Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who 
was basically expressing some measure of sympathy for being angry when people criticize religions. And he's like, well, where's the line? You know, you can't yell fire in a theater or whatever. Um, so I, I think it comes down to safety. So you can't yell fire in a theater because of safety, direct safety. Um, and there are other things you can't do. You can't threaten the president. You, you can't say certain things, but most things you can say. And then the question becomes, well, why don't you say most things that are really bad? And I came up with the sort of comparison of um, good art and bad art. So I, I haven't seen any of these uh, cartoons, but my understanding is that these cartoonists were really good at doing what they do, which is, you know, uh, caricatures or, or um, criticisms satire against religious figures and I think if you have someone who's super talented at making cartoons and they make a cartoon that drives home this amazing point right it wakes people up it makes extremists more moderate it makes moderates I don't know think in a different way whatever it is if it adds something to the, cap, uh, to the conversation it elevates people's awareness I think that's art. And if they use as an instrument something that's offensive, you know, showing uh, the prophet or uh, the pope or whatever, uh, a president, a head of state, in some sort of embarrassing or demeaning stature, I, I, I don't think that is a problem. I, I think that's good. I think that's exactly what we're built on. All, all those sorts of cliches, that is exactly what we should be protecting. Um, I think there's a major difference between, let's say, Charlie Hebdo, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that somewhat right. Uh, let's say this group is whatever, uh, on the corner of this street and this street. But right across the street, someone's like, oh, wow, they're really popular. And they're doing cartoons where they insult people. So let's go do that and we'll sell you know lots of copies. So they start and they hire some two-bit cartoonists and they just create offensive things, right? There's no message. There's no elevation of awareness. There's nothing there. Well, it's different, right? That is different. And I would say one is okay and the other is not. However, both should still be allowed. Both should still be legal. But when I see one, I look at it and I say, you know, this is art. This is a really good message. I'm a little disturbed by the picture, but I guess that's part of the point. Uh, I find it offensive, but I guess that's part of the point. And then I look at the other one and I'm like, this is just garbage. These guys are just being rude to try and sell a magazine. And I think that distinction is important. So uh, those are my thoughts on that. Quote of the week. I don't know if we'll do this all the time, but... Um, saw something cool in the Twitter infosec feeds. Uh, no one is happy as they seem on Facebook, as depressed as they seem on Twitter, or as employed as they seem on LinkedIn. I thought that was pretty good. So that's it for this episode. Uh, you can find these headlines as well as more infosec, philosophy, and politics content at danielmiesler.com.